So I think this is one of my bugaboos more than it is one of yours, but I have always maintained that Captain Janeway does not respect the doctor and mm. more more than that doesn't really consider him a person. She's she's a bit close-minded for a Starfleet captain and Leighton image I think is a very strong indication that the show agrees with me. Yeah, that's been kind of one of the things I've been noticing about the Brandon Braga season so far is that it's looking a lot of the criticisms that are to be made of Janeway, a lot of things that you in particular have said about her leadership style and some of the decisions she's made and the ways that she's come to those decisions. And it actually, I think earlier seasons just assumed, like with Captain Kirk, like with Picard, that well, Picard, uh, Janeway's mommy, and what she says is right, and she's the Starfleet captain, and so even though she's dealing with situations that are a little grayer, she's still doing the right thing, or choosing the lesser of two evils, or whatever. And episodes like this are very explicit in saying that Janeway might be wrong in a lot of situations, and that's a really... That's wrong in a way that, even though, for example, Kirk and... Picard were allowed to be wrong from time to time. They were quickly rectified. Uh, anytime Picard made an error, he would realize it and apologize for it and make it right. Janeway is yeah, yeah. Janeway is being criticized for things that she maybe can't make right that easily. You know, she can't exactly make right her decision in Scorpion, for example. That's not something you just well, apologize be- and fix. Yeah, well, because they're they're really not mistakes in as much. I mean, some of them are, of course, right? Like, I think that if you look at the this is the twelfth. I mean, this is the eleventh and twelfth episode of the fifth season that we have covered. So we're we're almost halfway through the season, believe it or not. Wow. And yeah, I know. And if you if you look at the the episodes that we've had, I think you can probably count three or maybe four episodes that deal pretty explicitly with Janeway as a. Uh, not a compromise character, but I think Janeway's mistakes or Janeway's failings. And that's certainly not something that Star Trek has ever shied away from. I yeah. mean, in the pale moonlight, for instance, is all about um, Cisco making a very you know serious decision to do something that he cannot really um, justify in any way, shape or form. Uh, you know, Picard was never really portrayed as someone who was perfect. He definitely had his foibles. Captain Kirk was certainly not perfect. Yeah. And and I think that what I like about the Brian and Braga season that's kind of crystallizing for me is, you know, again, we do have a appearance of Naomi Wildman. Um, or not Naomi Wildman. Uh, uh, is it Naomi yeah. Wildman? Yes, Naomi's. it is Naomi Wildman. I don't remember the uh, mother's name, but yeah. Mother's first name, first is, name Ensign. is Ensign. <laughs> uh <laughs> Jinx by Mia Coke. But oh. so we have Naomi Wildman coming through. You know, they're, they're, they're starting to create some some secondary characters. And then it's something that the show has been wanting to do for a while. And at this, well, I also think that it's funny that Leighton Image hinges on a, 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 you know, a secondary yeah. crew member that we have never seen before. But, you know, we'll leave that aside. I think in episodes like Night and in The Flash, the eight, Species 8472 episode, and now this one. Braga seems interested in in kind of recontextualizing Janeway, and I think yeah. it seems possible. Is it possible that that Brian and Braga had some of the same problems with Janeway that I did? 
I I I think very much so. Yes, he 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 seemed to look at he seems to look at this character a lot more objectively than I think previous seasons have. Again, previous seasons are all just fully on her side, even though. Kuvix was a difficult decision. She did what had to be done, and that was the right thing to do. And this season is looking at her from a bit more of a distance and saying some of her attitudes, like her attitude towards the Doctor, come from a really bizarre or dark place and needs to be addressed. We can't just say that this is okay. We need to deal with this and in a way, fix this. Because this episode is about... Uh, about... teaching Janeway that she has been looking at the Doctor in a wrong way. She's been making decisions around the Doctor in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. I It, it, it is definitely an episode that allows that she is going to change, allows that she really just needed to be shown the error of her ways in in a way which she can't deny anymore. Things do need to be put to her in a certain way, and it is largely Seven of Nine who is able to explain that to her. This is, uh... Janeway needed to come to this certain point, and and she is going to move on from there because she is a Starfleet officer. She is somebody from the Federation. She is going to have her attitude change in the proper way, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there, there's a lot to unpack in this episode, and I, I think a lot to unpack on a on a series level as well, because this, this episode, of course, deals with a lot of character development and a lot of interpersonal conflict that the captain and the doctor have had over the, the course of the series so far. I mean, I think of things like Year of Hell, for instance, which, of course, was wiped away. There's that really serious scene in Year of Hell where the doctor tries to, to talk Janeway into, um, you know, essentially abandoning what they're doing. And, and they ha- they come almost to blows. I mean, it's 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 verbal sparring. And Janeway walks away from him. I mean, he says, look, in my capacity as as the the chief medical officer, I am telling you to do this. And she says, yeah, that's fine, but I'm not going to do it. And just walks away from him. Further than that, that, that well, further than that, I think she even says, how are you going to enforce that? I can delete your program. I mean, and we've seen doctors say this to their captains. The captains have always stood down. A captain has never said, yeah, but I could just fucking shoot you. And what would it matter? But that's essentially what Janeway says at that. Right, and and this has always been a very strange character note for Janeway, in my opinion. I I, I frankly don't know why Voyager did this. I, I I think that the there could be a pretty strong argument that maybe this wasn't the best idea. I'm not sure, you know. I but but this is what we have, right? And so, for for me, this episode really is is coming down to an idea that I don't know if. Is the crew of Voyager strong enough to stand up to Janeway? I mm. I struggle with that a lot because I think that if you look at the the events of eighteen months ago, right? So so you know, Leighton Image starts off. The the doctor is finding these odd things, these inconsistencies in his medical scans. He's not really sure what's happening. The doctor is tenacious. He's like a dog with a bone. We know this. This is how the doctor is. 
And he uncovers this this mystery, and Janeway's immediate reaction is to continue to cover it up. And not only continue to cover it up, but enlist the the help of Tuvok and Chakotay and Kim and Bellana and, and Tom Paris to rewrite his program again because she figures that he's not going to stop looking into this. And and this to me uh reads and feels very similarly to how the crew was reacting to Janeway and even looking at each other in two Vix. Yeah. I I think that there's a lot to be said for for the consistency of of Voyager in terms of things like that because it does callbacks very well. I yeah. actually think that of all of the Star Trek series that we have covered so far, I, I think that Voyager does callbacks maybe not the best. I think there's an argument, a strong argument to be made that, that Deep Space Nine does them better. But Deep Space Nine, that was sort of built into the structure of how that show told its stories. Um, but it's a little more subtle you know, about it. Yeah. Yeah, Deep Space Nine didn't do callbacks so much as they they just built on what came before. Voyager isn't really building on what comes before in that same way, but it does callbacks very well. And it may drop something for seasons and seasons, but when it brings it back, it's going to organically make sense. And I'm very disturbed by this episode in a way that that I was surprised by. Yes. Um, I mean, to me, the episode came out of left field in a way. I expect it where I thought it was going was one of those, well, obviously the Ensign is an alien and she's doing some kind of memory juju with this and the doctor doesn't remember this because everybody else has had their memories modified, but he can't because I I, I thought it was going to be one of those episodes. And when it turns out to be this very uh, uh, partially a meditation on medical ethics and how one deals with the difficult choices in medicine and partially a a very stark look at some fucked up things about Janeway's character. Uh, I, 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 I think because the other thing that again, it's not only that she has Paris and blood and everybody update the program and all that. Every single person on the ship has been instructed. Listen, do not mention ensign. What's her name to the doctor period. As far as he's concerned, she doesn't exist. And so, for the most part, probably people aren't talking about this ensign much anymore. Imagine how much had to be falsified or changed in order for the doctor to not know anything about her or believe he doesn't. Yeah, because he again two weeks earlier, nobody mentioned something. Never. I mean, again, that's a little weird. That's a that's the little suspension of disbelief, but. I can also picture Janeway ordering it and the crew trying their damnedest to try to do that. No, I I totally agree with you. I mean that that certainly I don't think is is textual in the episode, but but that's something that that comes out of looking at this episode in a realistic fashion and starting to think about that. Yeah. And that is certainly the case. I I think what what is more disturbing for the long-term implications of the health of the Star Trek Voyager crew is I don't know if they have the ability to say no to Janeway, I, I can really see uh, this. You know, if push came to shove and let's say something like Year of Hell actually happened and they were in very, very desperate circumstances and Janeway was essentially becoming, you know, a little bit of an autocrat. I don't I don't know if if anyone would really stop her. I mean it, it almost yeah. seems quaint in a way that that they were worrying about mutiny in the first season. Yeah. I, I don't 
I don't see this crew mutinying. I see them doing the exact opposite. They're they're rolling over and acquiescing to to every questionable decision that Janeway has. And and to be clear, I think that this is a very questionable decision. I yeah. What what is what is interesting to me about Leighton Image is that the episode never ever has you even attempt to be on the side of Janeway in this episode. Yeah. This is the audience is always on the doctor's side. The audience likes the doctor. The doctor is charming. The doctor is a little annoying. And in like the fashion of all the best Star Trek characters, you know, Spock was always a little <laughs> annoying. Data was always a little annoying. Um, that's just part and parcel of, of why we love these characters. But, and the doctor slots into that very nicely. Seven of nine slots into that very nicely, I think as well. Although I wouldn't put, Seven of Nine on the same level as the Doctor quite yet. No, the Doctor known her, and the Doctor is much more. E- I mean, the Doctor's charm is all in how egotistical he is, but he's benign at it. And yeah, Seven of Nine is obviously not an egotistical person, but yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think it's interesting that for they cause us to have this debate over. Is it right to alter the memory of the doctor in this way to make this decision for him? They leave us in the dark for a while before they explain what exactly happened. So we really are forced to consider the issue just as an issue with no qualifiers, no context, no, well, maybe it would be if this, no no justifying circumstances right away. We are told to just answer the question is it right to make this decision for the doctor in this way and yeah there there is no way that we are able to say yes on that uh and then when we learn that it wasn't well the doctor became evil and destroyed everybody or something like that um when we learn that it is the doctor essentially became so maddened by his grief that he wasn't able to do anything and we had to reboot um I mean, this is yet another episode that hinges on the fact that Voyager has no counselor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly yeah. true. And I, I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's coincidental at all that the the final scene of the episode takes place in the holodeck with the doctor and the captain sitting in chairs that that you would definitely see in a therapist office. Yeah, that's the closest now, they have. I mean, this is obvious. I mean, this kind of medical decision is one that is that every single doctor goes through. Every single doctor in the real world has to make this kind of decision. No matter how into their career they are, they will have to make this kind of decision. And it will never get, it, it will never be an easy decision. It, it's never one that you can really anticipate and prepare for. And you have to, again, I, I, how many doctors need to go through counseling to deal with this? But there are ways that people deal with this. Without a counselor and nobody thinking that the count- the doctor needs to go through this because he's a hollow hologram, it, it is sad because they they that they, that is the only solution they can think of at first. Just reboot it, reboot your get go to restore the backup. That's all we need to do. It's, we it's like you, when your phone gets a virus, right? Right. Well, my phone doesn't get a virus because I have an iPhone. Ha ha. Um, but I think that there's a I mean there's a lot going on here, and I think that. What is what I struggle with in in terms of Voyager is that Voyager is is very interested in pushing this idea of holographic life, of photonic life. I mean, that is what yeah. the, the next episode hinges on. I mean, now we have uh, 
naturally occurring, if I can use that term, uh, holographic life coming from another dimension. You know, this this is yeah. an idea that Voyager seems very interested in in examining and, and looking at. And the placement and, of the S episodes can't be coincidental. Like, this episode really feels like the setup in some ways for... Uh, the fact that the next episode hinges on the the Doctor's lifehood being established in this episode, I, I mean that seems very deliberate. But I I agree, but I but I also think that and that that actually feeds very nicely into into the next point I want to make, which is that we've been here before. I mean, I I one of the reasons that I find this episode so fundamentally disturbing on an existential level, if if I can be so grandiose, is that. I think that everyone in the episode talks a good game of, okay, we are now going to let the doctor work through this grief and work through this this existential crisis that he is having. The doctor is a person, and I was wrong to think the doctor wasn't a person. But we have been here before. Janeway had to be convinced of the doctor's efficacy and right to be in briefings. Janeway had to be convinced of the doctor's ability and right to go on an away mission to modify his program to modify his program to be able to turn himself off you know i think that like yeah people just would leave remember this back in the first and second season like people would just like leave sickbay and leave the doctor on and no one gave it a second thought but but this is always the thing that like they keep having this thing happen over and over again with the doctor where this time they figured it out. And this time everyone is going to respect the doctor in capital letters. And they never do. They backslide. They, you know, it's, it's like so many situations in life where you, you, you say, okay, yes, this time I was caught and I'm going to do a good thing and I am going to, you know, fill in the blank. I am going to, I'm never going to drink again three times a day. Yeah. I'm never going to drink again. You know, if I get back together with, you know, my ex where everything's going to be different, you know, whatever it is, but they keep doing this. And the real sadness here is that the doctor has no way to keep it together, really to, to keep them honest. And, and I think that the other part, and then I'll let you speak. Cause I know I've been speaking for a while is that, I I feel like this is yet another example of Voyager very understatingly questioning the the morality of Starfleet and the morality of Federation citizens when push comes to shove because well a Voyager would never have been put in this position if they hadn't been lost in the Delta yeah. Quadrant they would have a, a, a quote unquote real doctor and, and a live doctor a biochemical doctor yeah. to use the term from Bride of Chaotica but this is yet another example of push comes to shove where like something bad happens and captain Janeway decides to take the, not the easiest way because as the episode makes it clear, she, she did at least try initially to not erase his memory and not modify his program, et cetera, et cetera. But when push comes to shove, they just take this expedient, uh, this, this expedient choice. And, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I think that's an interesting thing that the show is doing, but I don't know that there's quite enough self-awareness on the part of the show to realize that maybe that's what it's doing. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm i thinking of, for example, Bellana's episode where she, recently where she was doing, all, doing basically the dangerous hol- holodeck simulations, risking her life, hurting herself and all of that, and... That is probably very – that is along the same lines of what the Doctor was going through. It is a massive 
for Bolana depression, for him and anxiety and paralysis. And yes, maybe there his condition is a lot more severe because it does go more it, it, because of the nature of his programming kind of a thing. I mean, you can hand wave that, but nobody said to Bolana, "Listen, we're gonna erase you. We're gonna give you a lobotomy." That's what we're going to do, Bolana, so you don't have to – no, everybody was trying to figure out and talking to her and trying to work it out, trying to help her get her shit back together. Uh, and it takes it, – it, it, it's almost as if, well, we always – we – they will go to the ends of the earth to help Bolana get her out of her depression, get her enjoying things again. They don't have to to the doctor because there is a point when they will say, well, that's it. Let's just delete it. Let's just go back. Let's just reboot. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with the doctor. They didn't – they they have an exit that they don't do with the, the biochemical characters. Right, because the, the doctor is essentially Data if Data never had the events of Measure of a Man, right? Like, yeah. Or, or or if Measure of a Man, if if Maddox had won that court case and Data was ruled property of Starfleet – and anybody could just do whatever the hell they wanted to do with data. And, you know, Maddox takes data off for an episode or two yeah. and data comes back and he has his adventures. And then every time data goes homicidal or something happens to data, they just rewrite his program yeah. or delete the memories or do whatever. And he doesn't have to consent to any of it. And that's all fine and dandy. That's essentially what Voyager yeah. is doing with the doctor. The doctor has no rights. The doctor has no legal status they've never even really questioned that i don't think the doctor wants to push it which i think is really sad but yeah the doctor they they will continue to do this i think the doctor is the and he's explicitly said this like yes i have to fight for some of my rights but i think he genuinely believes if he's patient enough it will happen and then something like this happens uh, again at this point in the se- at this point in next- right this is this this is like the uh the, the moral arc of the universe is long but it bends towards justice theory of, yeah. of fighting for your rights <laughs> i mean data by this point in this in his series was dreaming and everybody was like good for you data i hope you have good dreams and oh you're going to paint this week oh we'll go to your poetry reading i mean it, it they are much more polite about Data's poetry reading than they are about the Doctor's uh, slideshow sessions. Right. Well, because I mean, well, that 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 I think gets to the fundamental, the fundamental contradiction or the fundamental difficulty at the heart of Latent Image, which is. Would Janeway have made the decision she made 18 months ago and now because she comes into sickbay and she deletes his memories from the last hour? You know, that was that was a decision that she was making 18 months later after having considered and reconsidered the evidence and the arguments. Would she be making this decision if they were in the Alpha Quadrant? I, I, I think the answer is no, but I really have no way of verifying that. But I feel like... Again, just as the mega particle, this is something that she would pass off to a team of experts. There, she would go to Doctor Zimmerman and say, "Listen, my my EMH is having a massive conflict over an ethical decision he made," and the holo- and the doctor would go to Doctor Zimmerman, and they would Doctor Zimmerman would deal with it in whatever way he saw fit. It wouldn't be Janeway's problem anymore. 
And this is something I've said about Janeway. Janeway is a very good captain. She is not necessarily a good captain in all situations. And unfortunately, because of the nature of where she is, she has to be. Yeah, no, I think that's really right. And I think that's what what this episode and a lot of episodes we get to with Voyager, which is that Janeway just, just is having to make very, very difficult decisions with limited understanding, with limited resources, um, interpersonal, you know, yeah. material, whatever. And but I think that there is a there is an argument to be made that she is making choices that are better for herself and better for the crew Hmm. and of course there's going to be a balance right i mean having balana work for three days straight without sleep because the warp cord is about to explode or something like that um that's reasonable right but yeah but but doing this to the doctor i think is an unreasonable solution to a problem yeah that's they could they could have been without the doctor for a week right i mean this is they they what they end up doing in this episode uh why couldn't they have done that 18 months ago i don't know fill in the blank you know he had to work on seven of nine i who knows but you know because this was also around the time you know this was shortly before seven of nine uh you know got liberated and joined the crew like what there's a lot of reasons like but the thing is there's never a good time for a, for a for a difficult decision right and so you, sometimes you just have to do it sometimes you just have yeah. to make the hard decision and then follow through with it and things are going to be uncomfortable for a while i think that janeway sometimes to me uh, errs too much on trying to reestablish a sense of status quo when there really can't be a status quo on Voyager. I wonder if we... uh, Because Voyager is the show that really gets critiqued for the reset button. Like, I feel like we're edging on a relatively deep meta point here, actually. (laughs) Well, that could certainly be. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that almost... Janeway is somebody who is trying to get... Does Maybe that is. Janeway's trying to just get back to the routine, get back to... How things were, I don't know. Um, what it comes down to is, 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 is this sort of of extra textual analysis going to hold up to scrutiny, or do you just have to throw up your hands and say they weren't thinking about the show this way? They were writing an adventure show from week to week, and the reason why this keeps happening is because they're writing an episodic television yeah. show. Is it like, yeah, that's probably actually the answer, but at the same time, yeah. We are looking at a television series. They are writing characters that have ongoing relationships, ongoing personalities. And so I do think it is fair to bring some of that into any sort of of critical analysis as well. Particularly, as we say, Voyager knows its callbacks. Voyager is aware of itself. Voyager knows that there are other episodes of Voyager. The original series did not know that there were other episodes of the original series. The Next Generation didn't always know there were other episodes of Next Gen, but Voyager does. And so I think it is fair to say that about it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's fair to say, too. Well, and and I guess the 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 other. I mean, I, I mean, there is like I, I I we I I feel like we could talk another forty minutes on this episode. I have a billion. I'm sure we. I'm notes sure we could. This. I mean, I think 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we certainly could, but we have to. Yeah, I know. We have to finish at some point. Um, I think the other part of this episode that makes it so difficult is that Ensign Jital was not a character. And yeah. She never was a character. We never really saw her before. She was a guest star in this episode that was constructed for a problem and, you know, whatever. And to the episode's credit, I think it does try to make that part of the actual problem at the heart of the episode. Because as the doctor says towards the end of the episode, you know, the, the entire reason why his his existential crisis was happening is because in in the moment he made a split second decision to save the life of someone he was closer to harry yeah. Kim, versus this ensign jatral but i still find it a little bit it's episodes like this that always make it a little bit galling to me that voyager never tried harder to establish yeah. a secondary cast it's the kind of thing where I mean, you do kind of have to make it a completely new character. Otherwise, the mystery of the opening parts of this episode, who is this woman? What is going on? If, for example, uh, he'd see he'd had memories of Seska, we would know, okay, well, this is this character. Even if it was just, for example, if this episode was Ensign Wildman and Ensign Wildman was took Jatrell's role in this, we would know who she was and that bit of mystery it would be more towards well why doesn't the doctor remember her rather than who is this lady but yeah yeah i w- would that nece- would that necessarily make the episode for the worse I, I not necessarily because obviously the meat of the episode isn't the mystery is a hook to get into the ethical debate about it right yeah that that i think that's a fair point and i and i think that they they succeeded at least. I mean, I think the episode works very well on that basis. All right. Well, we should move on to Bride of Chaotica. But uh, before we do that, uh, I do want to mention one other thing about Late Nimage, uh, which is that uh, so when at the beginning the doctor is talking about his hollow camera yeah. and taking hollow pictures and has t- turned it into some sort of, you know, uh, uh, millimeter scanning device at the airport that you hold your hands yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They take naked pictures of you. <laughs> um, so, so when they're when they're showing Harry Kim's, um, you know, they show his skeleton, then then they show his musculature, then they show his skin. Uh, he's basically a Ken doll down there, and um, that's how I, I think want the, it. the 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 realistic answer is that the show could not actually show a human penis on you know network television. Yeah. Um, but the answer that I would like to say is this is why Harry Kim has no luck with the ladies because Harry Aww. Kim has no genitalia. Oh, 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 poor Harry Kim. Um, I was really nervous at the thought of two Harry Kims, though. I was worried that the hollow image was going to start talking. Yeah, that that would be bad. All right, let's move on to Bride of Chaotica. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick opportunity to remind all of you that this podcast is listener-supported, supported by you, in fact, listening to this podcast. If you are hearing the sound of my voice right now, you are a Truckabout listener. Please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and join the Cool Clubs Kid. Cool Clubs Kid? Go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow right now and join the Cool Kids Club. Okay, let's talk about Bride of Chaotica. Talk about Whiplash. Latent Image is a very, very serious and sober look at a very serious and sober issue, and Bride of Chaotica is not. I loved this episode. 
This was, uh, again, it's a dumb episode. It's not the deepest episode, but it was... Everybody was having a good time with this episode, I think. This is certainly one of those, again, things in episodic television. You can do a weird-ass episode like this that's just totally changing the tone and style and visual look of the series and have it be a really standout time. I, I Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that what makes this such a wonderful episode is who I, well Brian Fuller I believe wrote the script for this episode and and um the story was mm. his as well like he did such a good job of capturing like the flavor of those sort of like 30s and 40s science fiction serials i mean this is sort of harkening yeah. back to like a buck rogers sort of vibe and yeah they 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 were obviously having fun with this they they've done their homework they've done a very good job of emulating that sort of environment Tom Paris gets to play, uh, you know, a little bit of a translator because he has to explain things in this episode. I, I just, I really like it, and and it's fun to see them hamming it up a little bit, especially Kate Mulgrew, who I think, oh my this, god, I, I, I think that that Queen Arachnia was the role that she was born to play. <laughs> uh, I so a couple of days before this, I saw that uh, an image of her in that costume and it was a tiny obviously a spoiler because you know but i was ready for this episode and then this was the episode i had to watch and it was it was really nice um this episode in a lot of ways we we've talked a lot about voyager doing episodes that remind us of other Star Trek episodes. Even uh, late in image could be their measure of a man moment, for example. Or uh, something like 30 Days, which was, in a way, their answer to In the Pale Moonlight. And Bride of Chaotica is Voyager's Far Beyond the Stars moment. That was the one with uh, Cisco as the sci-fi writer in the 60s, yep. right? is really interesting to see the ways in which both shows are paying homage to their inspirations. And it's very interesting seeing the inspiration that they took. DS9 is very much within the wheelhouse of that kind of Bradbury Asimov uh, sci-fi that's dealing with, that's very cerebral and intellectual, very much dealing with uh, social ideas and, 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 uh, and Voyager is very much, in a lot of ways, a sci-fi romp. It's the, hey, what's some cool shit that could be in the future? And let's have adventures and let's see that. Again, Tom Paris fits very well. Tom Paris is a Flash Gordon character. He's not a Ray Bradbury character. Yeah, because I mean, I, I, I mean, I will say that I think comparing this to Far Beyond the Stars is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but... Only because Far Beyond the Stars was kind of using that that yeah. science fiction of the fifties to to sort of like get into the very real problems um, of of Black Americans, yes, yes. et cetera, et cetera. This is not that episode, right? Like, yes, we well, we will talk about the photonic energy, no. not the energy beings. We will talk about the photonic. Oh, I just thought of something horrible, Richard. They're energy yeah. beings. Yes. Yeah. The Doctor isn't an energy being. Trust me. That's I know. an oldie. That's an oldie but a goodie. If you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, go back and listen Ugh. to our TOS podcast because Richard used to go off on energy beings about, meh, I don't know, five times an episode. Uh, 
because there are a lot of energy beings. Listen, the doctor is an okay energy being. He's not like the other energy beings, and that's all I'll say. That okay, that's fair. But but you know we we will talk about the photonic aliens. I think they're given a little bit of short shrift and they're treated as a little bit of comic fodder. But but it works because uh, fundamentally they're they're kind of a ridiculous concept. But yeah. like for me, Bride of Chaotica is again like you said, it is Voyager putting its stamp on the idea of going back to the past and looking for inspiration and saying, you know, what what can we mm-hmm. do? What kind of show are we, and what can we do that will fit in with that? And and what you get is is Bride of Chaotica. Now, the other part of that as well, which I've always wondered about, is. Obviously, it's a lot of fun, and everyone is having a lot of fun, and the costumes and the effects and the the sets all yeah. are fun, and the robot is hilarious. Um, but why would Tom Paris and Harry Kim find this fun? I mean, wouldn't this be kind of like me filling out spreadsheets for fun in my off time? I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not completely sold. <laughs> no, no, no. Because this is, like this a really is what fun me- method of escape for them, especially at the beginning when they're like. You know, oh, fire the thing. You know, we have to do this evasive maneuvers, and I'm like, this is basically what you do all day for your job. Well, I am I, I I am a cook for a living, and I really got into the game Cook Serve Delicious a couple months ago, so I I I I, I do get it. Yeah, but but, that, but think about like like if we had holodecks. I mean, like, would you want to be cooking a fake meal for people in a holodeck all the time? I kind of think not. Well, it depends. There's a difference. No, I wouldn't want to cook a fake meal in the holodeck for people, but I might be interested in, for example, all right, you're in the castle and you're working in the castle kitchen and you're making a meal for the king. Like, that might be fun to play. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'll buy that. It's not as if they're doing a simulation of... Anything recent? It isn't even as, for example, all right, we're going to play a simulation of what life would have been like in Captain Kirk's day. I mean, they're doing nothing. I think even they recognize that this is not realism at all. And that's, I think, the appeal to them, that this is such a goofy version of their job that's that's exciting. Let's face it. Tom and Harry don't think they go on adventures every week. If you ask them what Starfleet life is like, they're going to say, well, it's a lot of just traveling and things like that. And sometimes we meet an alien, but there's a lot of star charting. I mean, we we're seeing we are seeing the most exciting days in their days. So I yeah, think, that 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 is certainly true. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's like a whole week or two where Tom Paris is yeah. doing nothing but sitting at the con, like twiddling his thumbs for for you know eight hours a day. I, yeah, I think that's I think m- that's fair. Keep in mind when uh, it's implied that they started this, which was during the events of night, which they were doing nothing all of the time. And maybe, yeah, maybe Harry was saying, oh, I'd kill to go on an away mission. You know, let's play this new Captain Proton game. It's it's going to be fun. You know, and and what I what I appreciate about this episode so much is that you know, un- unlike a lot of of sort of middling holodeck episodes, you know, because again, this is a holodeck episode, and we had our fair share of of, of those that were stinkers, especially yeah. in TNG. Uh, that 
it, it kind of dispenses with a lot of the sort of like normal holodeck shenanigans yeah. in a way. Wh- one of the things that I always appreciate about this episode, and this is something that I used to say over and over again, is why do they not beam them out of the holodeck? Well, in this episode, yeah. they beam them out of the holodeck. Someone finally realized that that's really dumb to be stuck in a holodeck. Like you can just beam out. So they do that. Uh the the they, reason why they go back in is not because someone is stuck or there's some sort of weird issue. It's that there are these life forms in there and they're making first contact and there's an actual war going on because the life forms are photonic and their weapons are actually causing yeah. damage. And I, I just think that, that Bride of Chaotica to me in a lot of ways reads like the kind of holodeck episode where Brian Fuller sat down and basically yeah. came up with a list of all of the standard problems with holodeck episodes and just had an answer for each and every one of them, which yeah, I appreciate. The, the safety protocols, they don't, they, they are on. She's, she laughs when he's ray gunning her, but as they point out, you could be restrained or otherwise, otherwise prevented from your goal. And actually people are getting hurt. It's just happens to be none of the crew. That that is an interesting take on that because there there is a very specific litany of techno babble that ha- does have to happen with every holodeck episode. We can't turn it off. The safety protocols are off, and we can't get out of there. Right. Because well, let, let's let's talk about the the quote unquote serious part of the episode, which is this discovery of of this different dimension or whatever that has these these holographic life forms, essentially photonic energy. And apparently the, their entire universe is photonic and they are real and they evolve naturally and they find it very strange that they are biochemical and they have no idea what that's supposed to mean. They, they think that they're fake. And yes, there's a little bit of wry observation there on the part of the, the episode because there's that great scene when one of the photonic aliens is, is scanning uh, Tom Paris and Harry Kim and he's like, you don't register. I don't think you're real. But on the other hand, like 50 of them die and and it's not necessarily treated as a joke. I don't think that like the photonic energy beings in this episode seem like a little bit of an afterthought. They seem like a way to elevate the stakes without really putting any of the Voyager cast into any sort of danger. So I'm never really sure how to how to deal with it because it's such a it's such a goofy kind of lark episode that I'm not sure what. You know, how how yeah. seriously we're really supposed to take the other side of it. Are the photonic beings actually being killed? Like, that I'm actually not sure about. Or are they just being dispersed and they'll respawn in their own world? Like, Well, they do say they, that, that, like, 53 of them were killed. I mean, the alien does use that language. So, assumedly, but, yes, they are. But but the, but then there is also the... that I could also read that line as being... Well, they were killed within the simulation. He doesn't understand that it's just a simulation. And so, you know, if B'Elanna were killed in a holodeck game virtually, she would just be find herself by the exit. I don't know. Because part of the part of the thing of the episode that that elevates the tension and elevates the stakes is that these aliens are photonic. Their weapons are working on them. The holodeck weapons are working on them. They say they've been killed. I think they're smart enough to know whether no, or not that's they're fair. actually that's dead fair. or not. I mean, I think that if someone is knocked out in a holodeck and someone runs over and says, oh, my God, Balan has been killed, someone else is going to say, no, she's just unconscious, you idiot. And I think that's probably the the way to go with that. It doesn't really change it that much, although it makes it a little 
darker in a way, but well, it's dark certainly. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, part of it is like I don't know if the aliens are supposed to look like that. Really, probably not. Uh, yeah. They're 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 just sort of like adapting to their surroundings in a way. I mean, they're basically wearing like yeah. clothes that someone in the 1930s would wear. I assumed it was those were extra character files or something like that. Yeah, that could certainly be. So like they don't really look like this, but that's how the episode is portraying yeah. them. But they don't seem to really do anything with that. I yeah. mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> the, that's kind this, of like <laughs> is this something that Voyager does sometimes where they're just kind of like, okay, another alien species, fantastic. Just add them to the database and let's move along. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the episode recognizes that it exists not to tell us a plot about these aliens and their encounter with them, but it exists to show us uh, Janeway in this costume and the Doctor being the president of Earth and the robot uh, freaking out at everything, uh... And it almost seems like there was this episode comes from a version that was a lot more there was a lot more explanation in terms of what these aliens were and scenes with them. And they took out all but the bare minimum in order to get more holodeck time in. And I don't think that's the wrong decision. Like the episode doesn't really care about its plot. And I don't really care about its plot either, which, yes, a little bit of a disservice to these aliens, but... I think they are giving us a very familiar set of Voyager beats, so that way we don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I, I'm inclined to agree with you, because I, I, I do think that, that it, well, it would be one thing if they didn't take it seriously at all, but but they do. I mean, yeah. Tom Paris and Harry Kim do try to explain exactly what's going on, and the aliens are basically like, whatever, Jessica, like, I'm just going away. And that seems fair to me and so they need to get out of this situation they need to get out of this area of space that is keeping them there and they're just going to play along because that seems like the simplest way for the aliens to leave they want the aliens to leave they want them to close up their little subspace portals and they want to be able to turn the warp drive on and fly away and this seems like the way to do it and as it turns out it is so yeah i mean i I, i'm with you that makes sense yeah if the details don't quite add up it doesn't really matter. We've seen this kind of thing before, and if we want a better version of this kind of alien, we'll watch Night or the one where everybody was asleep or uh, any one of a dozen other episodes. Uh, there are plenty of nitty-gritty about the alien episodes. So uh, I don't think it will come as, as much of a shock to you that, that the uh, Queen Arachnia is is very popular in Star Trek cosplay. Um, oh, this this is one <laughs> of the major, I think, one of the major contributions the Star Trek Voyager has made to to Star Trek cosplay. Okay, and of course the the costume is wonderful and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But and I don't know how I don't know how much there is to say about it. But I once again just want to congratulate i guess and, and and just call out how wonderful kate mulgrew is as this character that you know it could so easily be that she could play janeway as very begrudgingly going along with this yeah. and she kind of does she does at first but... and then she gets into it like <laughs> right 
which which is great. I mean, I, I just don't but, think that we get to see. One of the things that I really like about Kate Mulgrew as Captain Janeway is that when Captain Janeway is having fun, you can really tell that yeah. Captain Janeway is having fun. And this is an example of that where it's just fun to see Captain Janeway enjoying herself. I, I The thing with Janeway is that she is not somebody – she likes her escapism. In the early season, she was doing that Jane Eyre kind of thing. She did the uh, Leonardo da Vinci's workshop for a while. She spent some time at the Marseille Inn. Uh, but that was the kind of thing she enjoyed. We can tell what her tastes are, what her demeanor is from that, where, where, where she likes to have her fantasy life. And this very much starts off as her making fun of this dumb little boy game that Tom Paris is having. She's she's filed Captain Proton under him saying, well, I wanted to be a sea admiral when I was a kid, and I was going to be a sailor with Jules Verne. And the fact that she... It, it's a delight of her getting into a genre she never would have picked on her own, and she kind of thought was stupid, but now that she's actually dealing with it, she can she totally gets it. She gets why this is fun. She gets why Paris spends his time there. Oh my god, I can be I can ham it up. I can just chew the scenery and have fun and and I love that about it. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We talk so well, the thing that always I've been thinking a lot about how you said how you've said that Star Trek isn't really cool and Discovery tried to be cool and Bride of Chaotica is not cool, and 30s serials are not cool, and that's why this is such an awesome episode, because this stuff is a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I, I'm with you, because I think that one of the things that this really highlights for me is how much Voyager is the pop culture Star Trek, you know, yeah. like... I don't I don't know what the hell Kirk did in his off time. I don't think Kirk did anything in his off time. He lived on the bridge essentially. You know, yeah. Picard was like reading Shakespeare and listening to endless classical music and going to plays and shit and you know, doing archaeology digs for fun. Uh Cisco, well, you know, a little bit of that baseball, but that was a really sort of like portrayed as this really weird, yeah. esoteric, nerdy thing that no one really paid attention to anymore. So, he's kind of like a hipster, I guess. Uh, or he would like build like a ship for fun. I mean, that's the kind of stuff Cooking. that would do. Yeah. But Janeway, you know, and certainly Janeway like sits around and reads 14th century Italian poetry and, and listens to classical music and shit like that. But, and I'm sorry if you like classical music, I like it fine. I just don't know anything about it. That, like, she <laughs> da, also da, da, does. Da, 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 <laughs> sorry. Just wait for our spinoff podcast, Classical Music About. Um, We're just going to do that for two hours a day. It's going to be gonna great. going to anchor so many people. It's going to be great. Patreon.com slash Trek About Show if you want to make this happen. But, like, Janeway likes to have goofy fun. Yeah. She likes to basically go into a gothic romance novel and 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 act like, you know, a, 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 for a governess. She, she likes to... <laughs> pal around with leonardo da vinci she likes to do stupid shit like bride of chaotica it's and and i think that's kind of refreshing in a way because it indicates that not everything has to be so serious minded you can just have fun and it doesn't have to be edifying it there doesn't have to be anything instructive or educational about it you don't have to get anything out of it it's okay to just have fun sometimes 
Yeah, and especially when one is in this situation, which you know, DS9 is probably the only other one that's arguably the same, but this is one of the most dire situations we've seen a Starfleet crew be in. Being all alone in the Delta Quadrant is horrible, and you need to get your smiles where you can, right? Uh, you need to cling to the people you can, and sometimes all of you are going to have a Flash Gordon adventure together, and that's where that's how you get through. Yeah, that's what's yeah. In, that's what's nice in life. And and speaking of how horrible the Delta Quadrant is, I believe that this is the first. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure we'll get letters or comments. Uh, I believe this is the first mention of a lavatory. On yes, I wrote that down. And uh, there's four working toilets for about 150 people. And that oh. sounds completely awful. Yeah, I was doing the math and it, 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 it it's poop everywhere. Not, not good. Don't don't even go down that road. Just just leave it alone. Just four and toilets you know- for 150 people. Not good. And we know that that's why the food supplies are low, because as that novel that you read once says, the poop is turned into food molecularly. That is very true as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just going to have to get you your own copy of the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation technical manual one of these days. Oh, it's going to be horrible. I can't wait. Uh, It's very, very serious. Oh, and I, I I would be remiss if I also did not call out one of the best lines of the entire episode when Janeway is talking to Tom Paris and Tom Paris has his idea to actually go through and, and like fight the program. And she, she says, his army? And Tom Paris says, yes, ma'am, his army of evil. <laughs> <laughs> that that I loved that sequence when he's saying all of this just ridiculous stuff as a very serious briefing. Yeah, it's great. It's this is a great episode. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on latent image or bride of chaotica, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of Trek About at trekaboutshow.com. As I said earlier, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow. One thing that you might be interested in is our $5 a month reward tier where we release and record, especially for all of you giving us $5 a month or more, a patrons-only episode. The one that we did for May was on the movie Contact. Spoiler alert, we liked it. Patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast, Tuning In. We are wrapping up the fifth season of The X-Files this week, so it would be a great time to get into the Tuning In action. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Truck About Show is our username in all those places. And as always, you can leave us an Apple Podcast review for this podcast. It is a great way for new people to find the show. Helps with algorithms and rankings and all sorts of things that I have no visibility. Alexa! Into, but I believe it. No, don't do that because someone's going to be listening to it and, and then we're going to be like sucked up into the Amazon. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Alexa, here. download. Alexa, download every episode of Trek About. Alexa, go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and give generously. I think Jeff Bezos should just buy us. He buys everything else. (laughs) All right, next week we're going to be talking about the Voyager episodes Gravity and Bliss. 